I was going to give uh, my friend Bo a hard time because last time I was here, they didn't have a clock on the pulpit, Bo. Um, I don't, I don't know if that says something about the length of your sermons and their desired length of your sermons, or uh, hopefully uh, we uh, we can be done in a uh, a good fashion here. Let me pray for us as we begin. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you again for the opportunity we have to gather for worship and the opportunity we have to open your scriptures together. Lord, I pray that you would teach us and instruct us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. So my sermon title this morning is Family Stability. And since I was coming to do the baby dedication, I I felt like uh, the Lord was just leading me to talk about family and marriages a little bit. That's always an issue that is uh, something that is dear to my heart um, and something that as I encounter folks uh, who are married, as I'm um, working with college students, as I help them navigate dating relationships and marriage and do marital counseling, premarital counseling for them, is always something that is of great concern. But I have also found that uh, healthy marriages and healthy families is something that affects everybody. Uh, whether you are married uh, for a couple of years or you've been married for 40 years or whether you are widowed, um, you are a part of families. And you're also a part of the family of God. And that's one of the things that I want us to dig into this morning. So one of the questions I think we need to ask is, what is God's purpose for families in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Uh, as I said, we don't have to look around for the various shapes and sizes of families in our church and in our community. We can also acknowledge, as we did with the baby dedication, that families and children are important to the Lord. One of the things that I encounter, though, is that this idea sometimes that we want to get back to the sense of family that we know from our cultural heritage as Americans of this kind of leave-it-to-beaver days. Now, I'm not old enough quite old enough to remember when that show was on the first run. Some of you may be, and that's okay, all right? That means you have lots of experience and wisdom to give people like myself. But I do remember watching reruns of that on TBS back when Ted Turner still owned TBS when I was growing up. Come on at like 6 o'clock in the morning as I was getting ready for school. That and the Three Stooges. Best, best weekday programming you could find right there. Um, and I remember those images, and I will encounter folks, even young folks, who long for those, those days uh, portrayed in that. But really, does that square with what Scripture talks about when it talks about marriage and family? And I don't think it does. I think when we look at what the Bible says about marriages and family, it doesn't compute with what our culture says now, obviously, but it also doesn't compute with kind of this myth of bygone years. Now, that's not to detract from those generations before us, but it's for us to kind of just wrestle with this question, what does it look like, or what is God's purpose for families in the light of Jesus and the gospel? I had a mentor of mine uh, many, many years ago. He said, the greatest opportunity that you have to live out the gospel is in the context of your marriage and in your family. And I can say for myself, the hardest place for me to live out the gospel is not when I'm meeting a student for coffee or for lunch and trying to help them as they wrestle with 
this tension of being in the world but not of it that so many students walk through. But the hardest place for me to live out the gospel is to love my wife well, is to parent my kids well. It's to love them unconditionally the way Christ loves me. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. This is the first passage I want to draw your attention to this morning. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Spirit. Then, over in Colossians, Paul gives some other instructions for husbands and wives and families, and he writes this, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. So as we wrestle with what does it look like, what impact does the gospel have on our marriages and families, there's a couple other things from Scripture that I want to draw your attention to. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to turn to those passages and read them. But Jesus himself was faced with these questions of marriage and of families in his public ministry. In fact, two religious groups of, of, the, of uh, the Jewish people really kind of challenged Jesus on this. And in Matthew chapter 19, the Pharisees come to Jesus and, and, and they are asking these questions of how we're supposed to approach marriage and divorce specifically. And basically the Pharisees were looking for an easy way out. They were looking for what we in our courts call a no-fault divorce. And Jesus challenges them and basically says, look, your view of marriage is so low that you don't value it enough to fight for it. Then the Sadducees, another religious group, come to Jesus and they, this is in Mark chapter 12, they ask him some similar questions on the view of marriage and family. And essentially their concern was, who's going to be married in the afterlife. They had the scenario of a guy who had, uh, had died and his wife remarried and that guy died and wife remarried again. And so their question was, who is, whose wife is she going to be in the afterlife? Jesus says, look, you're so worried about who she's going to be married to when you die that you're not focused on worshiping God right here and now. And so their view of marriage was really too high. They had elevated their view of marriage above their view of God and of worship of Him. And I think that we can do the same thing within the church and within our culture today, that we can either elevate marriage above our relationship with Christ, or we devalue marriage and we put it beneath everything else in our life. We put it, above, we put it below our hobbies and our interests. We put it below our careers. We put it below uh, any number of things. 
And the real challenge, I think, for us as believers is are we allowing the filter of the gospel, the filter of our relationship with Jesus to affect our marriages and our families? We have to ask ourselves, what impact does Jesus have on my relationship with my spouse? What impact does Jesus have on your relationship with your children and your grandchildren? What, relation, what impact does Jesus have on your relationship with extended family members? Now, I'm going to be the first to admit, this is an area in my life that God has worked over and over and over and over again for me. Because my family is nuts, okay? My wife is the only sane one in the whole bunch. And I I may have shared before when I was here, my parents were divorced when I was a kid, and so right now my dad passed away about five years ago, so I have a stepmother who is still a part of our lives who got married last year. Um, that's a phrase I never thought I would utter, okay? So we hauled up the kids up to Augusta to go to my stepmom's wedding. And even, I mean, like, even when I say it, it doesn't feel real yet, okay? It'll be a year in April that this happened. And... Families are just nutty. But Jesus takes our lives and our families and turns them on its head and says, your love for me has to impact this. Meaning those nutty families. Meaning that relationship I have with my stepmother and Mike, the the new husband. I'm, listen, I, I'm not coming to you telling you this is how you do it. I'm telling you, this is me trying to wrestle with what Scripture says about marriages and families. And I, I, I pray that the Lord will just use maybe a little bit about my story and a little bit of, of and a lot of Scripture to help encourage you in that. Because here's what else I've learned is everybody's got crazy families. We just don't want to admit it, Okay. And the gospel says, what does it look like for me? I'm not singling you out. I'm going to single me out. For me to love Nancy, that's my stepmom, and Mike the way I know that I'm called to. And that's kind of hard, honestly. And yet... That's what Jesus says we have to do. So let me, before I bog down into my own stuff, you're here in worship today, and you probably came as a family. And I always, uh, a church I served when I was in seminary in Alabama, we, uh, there was windows in the kitchen of the fellowship hall that you could look out onto the parking lot, and the church building was across the parking lot, the sanctuary was. And so you could see everybody coming into church, Man, that's some of the most uh, unholy time in the world, isn't it? Is when you're trying to get everybody dressed and ready to go to church. And you see families pull up and they'd just be, yeah, yeah, back and forth, tearing into each other in the car. They get out of the car and they close those doors and they're, they're ready for church. All that stops. 
Now you're laughing because you've done that. Listen, our cat got out as we were trying to leave this morning. It was rare. I, I did not. Uh, it's rare that I'm at home when my family leaves to go to church because we have an early service at First Baptist, so I leave before all them. But I kind of messed. My wife looked at me and she was like, "You're just messing the rhythm up this morning, okay?" And uh, and the cat got out, and so we were having to get the cat and put it back in, and uh, and anyway, so it, it it was it was an interesting experience. And, and yet, Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, then this family that is yours, this physical family, we'll call it, has to be impacted by the gospel. It has to be impacted by this fact that you say you claim to be a Christian, but what does that look like every other day of the week? What does that look like, mom and dad, when your teenager is stressing you to no end with their friends and their cell phone and you lose it with them? What does that look like when your OCD child can't let something go and frustrates you and pushes your buttons so that you blow your temper and you yell and you scream and maybe, if we want to be honest, you even cuss? What does that look like when the gospel says that's not what it's supposed to be? It's supposed to be this idea of love and of sacrifice and of giving of ourselves. Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 has these words to say, and these aren't on the screen, so if you'll just listen or if you want to turn there. But chapter 1, verse 7 Paul says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He has showered His kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us His mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill His own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. You see, Ephesians is that famous book where we get to chapter 5 and we we think about what Paul says to husbands and wives. And then in chapter 6 he talks about families. But in chapter 1 he lays the groundwork that the, the implications for how we live out the gospel in our marriages and our families begins with this plan of God to bring redemption and bring all authority under Christ. Now the question for you and me, is our marriage under the authority of Christ? Or are we just trying to make marriage work and have our faith over here too? You see that difference? You see, we can say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I tithe, I give, I worship, yes. But in your day-to-day decisions, in your marriage and in your family, does Jesus impact those? Does he have a bearing on how you treat your spouse, on how you interact with your kids, on how you treat that crazy uncle or aunt? Paul gives this foundation here that's going to inform what he explains to them in chapter 5. Because you can't understand chapter 5 and Paul's instructions to husbands and wives without understanding the whole purpose is this being part of God's family. So, I mentioned this physical family of husbands, wives, kids, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, a whole nine yards. But then there's this cosmic dimension 
That's what the passage from Ephesians 2 talks about. That he talks about God's family. You see, the purpose, according to Paul, is that our marriages and families are pointing to the greater reality of the family of God. That's why he says at the end of Ephesians chapter 5, I'm speaking of this great mystery of Christ and the church. That's the family of God. And so stop for just a second and think about this. When people look at your marriage, when people look at your family, does it drive them to the cross and to Jesus? That's a hard question to wrestle with, isn't it? Because we know none of us are perfect. We've all messed up with our spouse. Guys, we've messed up a lot, usually, right? And we've all blown it with our kids at some point. And yet the gospel calls us to this sense of love and of bearing with one another and of allowing Jesus to speak truth into our lives in that way. I was counseling with a couple recently, and he just can't get... Guys are stupid sometimes. You don't say that word from the pulpit a lot, but let me just say, some of these guys that I counsel, the couples I counsel with, these guys just... they. They're clueless sometimes. And he thinks that he can kind of continue his life and get married and enjoy all the benefits of married life, but still do his thing and not really be accountable to his wife for his time and what he's doing. Now, most of you would probably go, yeah, that doesn't sound like it's going to work real well. But we've talked about it probably five different times. And his wife gets it, but he doesn't. And, and I just want to kind of shake him and be like, dude, like, it's not about you agreeing to live with her and be married to her. It's about you being willing to sacrifice and bend your will so that you come together as one in Christ. That's the oneness that Paul talks about, that, the, that Genesis talks about. You see, if you and I enter marriage or any family relationship with this idea that we're going to have our will and we're going to bend everybody else towards it, 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 it's not going to work for very long. And that's where the gospel comes in because the gospel comes in to our life and says, your will is to choose your way and to choose sin and disobedience. And the gospel is about choosing Christ and elevating him in worship. Excuse me. So Paul tells us here that we've got this example. Dads, do you love your kids? Well, do you tell them that? Do you verbalize, I love you to your children? That's sometimes hard for guys. But let me tell you, Those words have the power to bring hope and to bring healing into people's lives. Husbands, are you loving your wife the way Christ loves the church? Paul says that's sacrificially. That's being willing to lay down his life. Am I loving my wife that way? 
Or would I rather choose what fits my needs and my desires and wishes more? The sacrificial love of the Father for us. God spared no expense in bringing us back into a relationship with Himself. He sent Jesus. That's what Paul says here in Ephesians. He says, God revealed His mysterious plan regarding Christ. He says, He's rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. And yet you and I and our families and our marriages, we choose to live for ourselves and we choose our own pleasure above the better for the marriage and for the family. If we're going to allow Scripture and allow our relationship with Jesus to inform and infiltrate our marriages and our families, then something's got to change. Something's got to give. Family is a sacred kind of space, I think. But we have the great capacity to really mess things up in families. Because moms and dads, we can say some things to our kids that can destroy them and take years for them to bounce back from. Husbands, you can say some things to your wives that can destroy them. But is that the way of Jesus? Is that what Paul is that what Paul means when he says to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ in Ephesians 5? No. Is that what Paul means when he says husbands love your wives? No. He means love them. Communicate to them. Show them, demonstrate that love to them. Because when you do that to your spouse, you're going to model that for your kids. They're going to see how you treat your spouse, and it's going to affect them too. might just change some of their behavior patterns. Let me say one more thing before I move on from that. Moms and dads, my, my kids are about to be 12, 9, and 5. Okay? My oldest thinks she's 17, which breaks my heart in one sense as a daddy, And scares me to death. Because I had the realization, okay, this is where kind of like I wrestle with this whole living out the gospel with my family. Is that I had the realization that if she does like so many students that I see do and dual enrolls into one of the colleges around Statesboro. She could do that her junior year in high school. Well, she's the baby in her class. Her birthday is September 1st. So that means the first two weeks of her class, I would have to drive her to campus. And I, I began to wrestle with the fact that, oh my goodness, because I'm on campus a lot. I know what goes on on campus. I see who's on campus. I see how they act. I see how they interact with each other. I see how they dress. And that makes me fearful that my baby is going to be in that environment before I would really want her in that environment. But I've got to make a decision Am I going to love her and treat her and equip her with the skills in life that she can handle that environment? Or am I just going to wring my hands in agony over that? 
Because here's, here's one of the things. We practically, we want our kids to know a lot of things, right, in life, life experiences. You want to be able to balance a checkbook before they leave the house. You hopefully want them to be able to wash clothes for themselves, even if it is just putting everything in one load. You want them to be able to wash dishes and cook at least a couple meals besides cereal and grilled cheese. Do we want them, though, to have some spiritual essentials? Do we want them to be able to read Scripture and understand it for themselves? Do we want them to be able to know how to pray? To be able to share their faith with somebody who's not a Christian? To understand what it means to worship? And see, here's my, here's my worry and my concern, is that sometimes we're so busy as parents and even grandparents of trying to help model our, for our kids all those life skills that we forget about the spiritual skills that we need to be modeling for them and teaching them and investing in them. That's when the gospel, that's when our relationship with Jesus comes to bear in our marriages and in our families. A couple of thoughts as we wrap up this morning. There's no doubt that God values and treasures family and children. Families are unique. It's the place where people will fight for each other, but will also fight and be the nastiest you could be to somebody else. I mean, my girls, they love each other sometimes. And then other times, I mean, it, it's... It's like World War Three, And nothing triggers it. It's just, you know. And, you know, I just, being the, the rational person I am, I want to take their heads and bonk them together like those Three Stooges reruns I watched and, and say, what are you doing? Why are you being crazy? But what I've got to do is to come alongside them and love them and model for them what it looks like to love sacrificially when it hurts Invest in them, even if I'm not going to get anything in return. Because that's sacrificial love. I've got to show them that Jesus loves us in spite of our faults and failures. Because in marriages and families, we're going to have a lot of those. You see, the whole purpose, Paul says, is to have this authority under Christ as this spiritual or family of God. Where do you need to offer forgiveness? To your spouse? To a family member? Where do you need to be reconciled with somebody? I don't know the status of your lives and relationships, but I guarantee you there's something broken or not quite right in some area of your life and your family. If there's not, then this week it's going to come. You're going to get an opportunity to model what it looks like for Jesus to impact that relationship. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Don't buy into the myths that the world sells us about marriages and families. Allow Scripture, allow the Gospel to filter how you love, how you treat them, 
how you nurture and encourage them, how you model for them a life of discipleship, a life of following Jesus, not just on Sundays, but every day. Because here's the deal. My kids can, they they see me at my worst. They see me at church. Yeah, they know dad's college minister, you know. But that doesn't really mean a hill of beans to them if every time I interact with them, I'm yelling and screaming at them. That doesn't mean anything if I'm more worried about something I need to get done than actually investing and spending time with them. I mean, I played two rounds of Candyland yesterday morning with my son. (laughs) Do you know how boring that game is? (laughs) And then in the span of 45 minutes, we played baseball, soccer, and football. (laughs) Listen, I'm out of shape. I don't say that to say that I did the right thing. I say that to say I, as I prepared this sermon, I had to look at my own life and go, all right, it's Saturday, you can work in the yard, you can get some things done in the house, or do you put all that on hold and model Jesus for your kid? Now, I combine the two, I'm going to admit, I wasn't perfect. But hopefully he got that I was willing to spend some time with him because all the girls had gone to the shower, so it was great. Are we doing that? If, if the greatest place of ministry and opportunity for you live, to live out the gospel is in your marriages and families, are you doing that? Are you letting your relationship with Jesus impact those most important relationships or... Are you just kind of keeping the status quo going? Checking off that box of, yeah, I read my Bible, yeah, I went to church, and here I, is my marriage and kids. And Are you letting those worlds collide so that Jesus impacts all of it? That's a hard question, I think, for any of us to wrestle with. I want to challenge you with this. <clears throat> this week, will you commit to praying for God to show you what relationship you need to work on. Maybe that is your relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's a relationship with a child or a grandchild. Maybe it's a relationship with a friend or a coworker. But you, will you commit to ask God to show you what the relationship is that you need to work on and let the gospel work on so that there can be peace and reconciliation Love, forgiveness, the great things that unite us with our Lord and Savior. We're good at talking about that. We're not so good sometimes about living that out in our relationships. My prayer and hope is that this week, you'll make a step in that direction to do that with just one relationship. Don't try to solve them all this week. Just pick one. Where is God, where is the Holy Spirit guiding and leading you to be obedient? I want to pray for us. Father, we love you. We are challenged by your word to love as you love, to give as you have given. 
to forgive as you have forgiven. God, I pray, Lord, for each person here, their marriages, their families. Father, you know the needs and the burdens. You know the strained relationships. God, you know where your grace needs to be manifest. And Father, I just pray you bring healing, that you would bring hope, that you would bring your love. Lord, as we apply the gospel to our lives this week. Father, have your way with us in this moment. We pray in Christ's name.